Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Living Word Community Church. How are you doing tonight? That's awesome that you're awesome. It's great to have you here. We are excited to be here because God is good, right? You know, I like thinking about this because uh, I would say probably most of us not would not even know each other if it weren't for Christ. You ever sit and think about that for a minute? It's really true, right? And what a great fellowship he has created by saving us one at a time. Precious Lord, let's bow our heads and our hearts and thank you for that. Father, we are grateful, Lord, that you are so merciful to us and gracious, Lord God. And Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to get together here, to gather here, Lord, and to be able to just celebrate you, to spend time singing songs of praise to you as we prepare our hearts and allow uh, an expression of worship of you in song, Lord. We know that you created music. It is amazing to us, as so many other things are to in this world, in your creation, Lord, that points us to you, Father. And we want to fix our eyes upon you this night and set our hearts towards you, Lord, and incline ourselves and listen to you. We just pray for an anointing upon Pastor Frank, Lord, as he teaches your holy word tonight, Lord, and those teaching our little ones, Father God. We just pray that your word would go forth with boldness, authority, and that truth would transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
are gathered in your presence, Lord, to give you praise. We exalt you, O Lord.
Hey, welcome. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Just come into your presence tonight, Lord God, to praise you, to sing about, Lord God, your love for us, your grace, Lord God, your mercy, and your care for us. And Lord God, we just pray, Lord God, just as we come to the word, usher us into your presence in a deeper way. And that, Lord God, let us just look upon, Lord God, your revealed word to us. You have a message for us tonight. And Father God, let us receive it. Let us, Lord God, allow it to be planted into our heart of hearts and let it produce an abundance, Lord God, of fruit in our lives. For in Jesus' name we pray this, amen. Kids, you can go. God bless you. You can be seated. Why don't you see if I'm hooked up here? <laughs> I'm okay? I'm not, I'm not going to fall out? Okay. All right. If we can... Uh, can we get our screen up here? How are you all doing? Good? What's happening, Mike? Take problems? Should I do some uh, ad lib? Tell, tell some jokes? <laughs> Did you ever hear about the ambitious cannibal? He was always trying to get ahead. Don, uh, Tito, where are you? I need the I need the drums. I need the drums. There was a uh, there were some cannibals and they were talking and they uh, they were talking about they they would capture capture the missionaries and eat them. And the one cannibal said, "I don't like them. They're they're real tough." And he said, "How are you cooking them?" He says, "I boil them." And the other cannibal said, "No, no. What do those guys look like?" He said, "Well, they're short. They're fat." They have a, a, a little bald spot in the middle and they wear brown robes. He goes, no, 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 you, you don't boil them. They're friars. <laughs> Would you like to steal the show here tonight? Want to come up here and preach? <laughs> All right. So... We're going to talk. We're going to talk about when fear conquers faith. Obviously, we want to talk about when faith conquers fear. But we're going to be looking from Numbers chapter thirteen tonight, and this is going to be part one: when fear conquers faith. And next week, we're going to look at part two, and that's going to be from the fourteenth chapter of Numbers. So, if you're studying with us, uh, I'd encourage you to um, to read chapter fourteen. So, stand stand with me for the reading of the word. We're going to read. Just simply here, uh, Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2 to start. We're going to go through the entire chapter tonight. And it says, And then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one, a leader among them. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, this night that you'd open up again our hearts to your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord God. You know, you want us, Lord God, to have not a spirit of fear, but a spirit, Lord God, of courage, a spirit, Lord God, of boldness, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. I pray, Lord God, that again, as we study your word, for your word is alive, it's living, it's more active than a double-edged sword, that, Lord, you would be impressing it upon our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So what, what you have here, we come to the 13th chapter of Numbers, God promised the promised land, okay, to Israel. And in this text, what you're going to see is, so God calls Moses to select 12 leaders, one from each of the 12 tribes, and they are to go in and spy out the land, come back and give a report, and then Israel is to go in and, and conquer the promised land. What happens is 10 of the spies are essentially the cowards. And they bring back a, a word and essentially it discourages the, uh, the, entire, the entire, you know, essentially nation of Israel. And like uh, uh, just a contagion, and that, that is what, you know, fear is contagious. Remember, remember COVID? A whole lot of people not getting COVID around here. You know, they're getting it in other parts of the country. We haven't been getting it around here. But you remember how contagious COVID was? Well, fear, I think, is more contagious than COVID. It, it literally poisoned the entire generation. And instead of entering the promised land, all but two died in the desert. And that's, that's the effect that, that fear can have on us as believers. It can keep us from entering into the promises of God. So we're going we're gonna to look at, again, fear tonight, and you're going to look at it in this context. We're going to look at, again, how destructive it can be. And I want to I mention this to you. Fear has two sisters, okay? You know who they are? Anxiety and worry. They all kind of go together. So we're going we're gonna to look at, again, fear and her two sisters. So here, here's something. This is a good definition that uh, we talk about. Now, let me, let me just, let me qualify this for a second. There are good fears. The fear of the Lord, like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But the fear of the Lord is to have an awe, it is reverence of God, okay? It's not a fear that freezes you and keeps you from being able to do what God has called you to do. There also is, is a good, healthy fear of true danger, if you if you're walking out of the church tonight and you know you step out right on uh, you know on on the street on, on Madison Avenue and a bus is racing up at 70 miles an hour, it's good that you become afraid and you step back and not get hit by the bus. So there is there is good fear. Okay. The fear I want to talk to you about again is is fear again with this definition false evidence appearing real. It's negative fear, it's destructive fear, it's harmful fear. So when it comes to, again, this, this abnormal fear, the researchers tell us that 90 to 97 percent, you want to learn this, 90 to 97 percent of the things we fear, worry, or have anxiety about never happen to us. So I'm using a wide, 90 to 97%, because depending on what study you, you look at, I had a great study that I used a couple of months ago on a Sunday morning from Ohio State, and it was 90%. 90% of um, the things that people were afraid of never happened to them. So it's just, again, it's, it's just destructive, fear, worry. And let me just say this, there are so many things that you could be afraid of. I mean, there, there are so many things in, in, in the world. I mean, right now, we're, we're living on a hot planet, if you haven't noticed that. And there are, there are thousands of things that you can focus on that will create fear, that will create anxiety, that will create worry. And, I mean, all you need to do is turn on the news. 
And just this morning, when, when uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to check, I woke up this morning, first thing I'm laying in bed, I flipped on, I just wanted to take a quick look at what was going on, and you know what's going on in the banking industry right now. I just want to take a real quick look at, at, at the markets and Fox Business. And the, the first thing that the, the reporter said was enough, right, just to, uh, man, I guess got hit with this wave that could create fear. So here, here are the things. This is 2020, the top 10 fears. Corrupt government officials. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Uh, people I love becoming seriously ill. Uh, Russia using nuclear weapons. People I love dying. You know, more people are afraid, they're, they're, they're more afraid of their loved ones dying than themselves uh, dying. Uh, the U.S. becoming involved in another world war. Pollution of drinking water. Not having enough money for the future. Economic and financial collapse. Pollution of oceans, rivers, and lakes. And then the 10th, biological warfare. So these were the, the top 10 from 2022. Now, I'll tell you, I mean, you focus on those. You start thinking about those. You can go through the whole day being obsessed with those. You're going to have a lot of fear. You're going to have a lot of anxiety. You're going to have a lot of worry. And, um, you know, there, there is a point. I get a... I get a uh, an it's an intelligence report that I get in the morning. I pay for it, and um, it's put together by people who, like CIA, ex-CIA intelligence, people on the Mossad in Israel intelligence. I get people from all over the world, Russian, they're ex-Russian intelligence people that contribute to this. And it, it just gives me a real quick, and a quick read, in about five minutes, I can know what's going on in the world. I can know ge geopolitical, then I could look at, you know, economics, some, some religious things that, you know, and uh, it's, good. It's, it's a good report. But, you know, you go through the day, you have on the radio, you have on the television, looking at the internet, you're just w looking at, at these things over and over and over again. I mean, it's just, it's just robbing you. It's robbing you of your life. So, they're, they're, you know, fear and truly negative fear has really bad effects on our lives. The first is the effects on our body. Okay, fear weakens the immune system. And with all these, I mean, with, you know, with COVID and, and now, you know, the flu virus and colds and all these other things, the last thing you want to do is be weakening your immune system in this, you know, current time. Fear causes cardiovascular damage, gastrointestinal problems, ulcers, irritable bowel syndrome, decreased fertility, and it leads to accelerated aging and even premature death. So there's some, there's some good reasons why, you know, we really shouldn't be living in this, you know, again, imaginary artificial fear. And also, on, on a psychological, psychological level, fear, essentially, I'm, I'm going to get, I'll get te technical with you, the, am, the amygdala, amygdala, right, part of the brain, the amygdala part of the brain, and uh, what it does is essentially fear. It causes parts of the brain to become active and other parts of the brain to shut down. And so when you're in a state of fear, you'll notice you become very foggy. Notice something we, we teach in the martial arts. When somebody is being attacked and we try to assimilate, I mean, you can't assimilate attack fully, but some you know, psychopath, uh, sociopath attacks you, um, you're going to find that you're going to have this, this very effect where your brain immediately becomes foggy. And a lot of people don't know how to respond. You look at, see a lot of these attacks that you see on, on the news, people being attacked. What do they do? They curl up in a fetal position while the person beats the heck out of them or stabs them. 
And uh, that's because of the brain shutting down. So when we're, we're in a state of fear, um, this, this uh, thing occurs where, again, we become impaired. We can't think clearly. We go, we go into a fog. So, you know, you're making decisions. I, I'm, listen, I make a lot of important decisions every day. They're, they're decisions that are affecting the church. There are decisions that are affecting my family. There are decisions that are affecting our future. The decisions that are affecting people's lives. And if you're in a state of fear, you're in a state of war and anxiety, you cannot make good sound decisions. So, it, 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 again, it creates brown, uh, brain fog and really, again, it inhibits and limits our, our ability to think right. And then on a spiritual level, so you have the body, you have the, uh, the mind, the, the spirit, you know, and, and in, our, in our spiritual relationship with God, look, Jesus, uh, you know, when you see this repeated over and over again, Matthew eight twenty six, he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was great calm. In the spiritual life, essentially, fear hinders us from becoming the people that God has called us to be. The, 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 the negative emotions that manifest from fear, we, we can't achieve living that way the goals that God has given us. Uh, fear, uh, essentially, it, 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 you know, it, it plays havoc with our belief system. And suddenly we come to a place where we're not believing that God can do you know, in us and through us, what God has, has said he can do. Fear, essentially, you know, it, it just creates all sorts of doubts, pessimism, negativity, and um, it creates destructive habits. And the people who live, people who live in, uh, you know, fear and have anxiety, a lot of anxiety and, uh, and worry, they will turn to destructive things to alleviate and medicate themselves. So turn to drugs, you know, turn to, to alcohol, turn to pornography. They will try to medicate themselves to basically deal with, you know, the pain or the, you know, discomfort that they're experiencing from the fear. Fear steals away our contentment, right? When we're, when we're always afraid, you know, again, we're, we're living in this, this level of, of negativity. So... Fear really interferes with the abundant life that God has called us to. Right? I've called, you know, he said, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. Fear, anxiety, worry, it, it, it just really disrupts that abundant life. So it, it has a, a negative effect on us physically, uh, on us psychologically, as well as on us spiritually. And again, you can see why, again, the Bible really speaks out against this abnormal, destructive fear. So, when we get into our text, first thing, first point tonight. A gift to be taken. God said, go and take the promised land. There's a, there's a, a, it, it is a gift that God has given to the Israelites. The, the issue is that the land is inhabited by the Canaanites, those three ugly dudes. You got the Canaanites, you got the Amorites, you got the Perizzites, or you, get all, you got the ites in there. God says, it's yours. Go and take it, right? I mean, you see it right here. I am giving to the children of Israel, right? The land. It shows it. And again, this is just the renewal and the moment of entry that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'll take you back to, uh, to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18 through 21. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I give 
this land. And you have the description of the uh, essentially boundaries, which is, I think, if you look at it, it's far more massive than what Israel inhabits today. But again, notice it's, it's inhabited by all of these different tribes. The Rephaites, the Perizzites, Amorites, Canaanites, you know, Girgashites, Jebusites. But God says here, he says, I give it to you, but you've got to go take it. You've got to go and uproot the enemy. You're going to need to defeat them. You're going to need to drive them out. You're, you're going to need to fight the good fight, and you're going to need to defend the land. So, the promised land is a, is a typology of what? I think I, I, I'll use this. It's a typology of our relationship with Jesus. Jesus is our promised land, ultimately in heaven. But, you know, it is, it is essentially a, a picture, again, a type, there's a lot of typologies. Jesus, the Ark of Noah is a typology of Jesus. The tabernacle is a typology of Jesus. The promised land is a typology of Jesus, right? Jesus is the promised land. It, he is the gift of peace, of eternal life, of joy, of salvation that God has given to us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. So it's a, it, it, Jesus is a gift for us. Now you need to take it. Now you need to take it, you need to enter into it, and you know what? You need to fight for it and you need to defend it. It's a gift but you need, to, you need to receive it. You need to, you need to wrap your life and your, your heart around it. You need to, you need to follow him. Right? You, you need to take up your cross. You need to deny yourself. You, you, need, you need to defend the gift. Right? There's a lot about right, fighting the good fight. Well, salvation is free. It is free. It's a free gift. The promised land was a gift. But you have to go in and take it. You need to defend it, right? Ephesians chapter 6, the armor of God. Why do we need to put on the helmet of salvation? Why didn't we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness? Why do we need to put on the belt, right, of truth? The, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Why do we need to take up the shield of faith? Why do we need to take up the sword of the spirit? Because you need to fight and you need to defend the promise that God has given you. Because the enemy is going to come and he's going to attack you. He's going to come and he's going to attack you. He's a thief. He's a murderer. And he wants to take away what God has given you. And he, and he is tenacious. So, there, you know, yes, it's a gift for us. But we need to enter into the gift by faith. We need to receive the gift. And we need to fight for the gift. We need to defend the gift. And the, the, the passive, passive Christianity, it doesn't work. And it's, it's, not, it's not what is really proclaimed in the New Testament. It, it is an aggressive, you know, form of Christianity. Here is the gift, but now, again, you need to take the gift. And this is what God is saying to the Israelites. Here's the gift. It's the promised land. It's the milk and honey land, right? The milk filled with, you know, the land filled with milk and honey. You've got to go and take it. Second. Ten cowards and two heroes. 
Every battle has heroes and every battle has cowards. You have two heroes, you have ten cowards. Is there any, don't look at your Bible, look up at me. I know I should never tell you that, but I'm telling you right now. Is there anyone here who could tell me one name of one of the ten cowards? <laughs> Mike, you're almost going to blow me away there. He raised his hand and he said, oh no. Could you name one? Can you name the two heroes? Right? Caleb and, and, and Joshua. You can't name the ten cowards, right? So when you go, you go through verse 3 through uh, 16, you come down to verse 6, there's Caleb the son of Jephunneh, and verse 8, you have Hosea the son of Nun, and then Hosea is, um, is Joshua. You, you don't, nobody remembers the, the other ten. Twelve spies, ten cowards, you can't name them, two heroes, and I mean, anybody, anybody who reads the Bible knows of, of Caleb and Joshua. I'm going to say this to you. I, say this, I don't want to say this to me. Some people are easy to forget. You know, have you, have you come across... There, there are people who have come in and out of this church many years. Some of them are unforgettable. I mean... I don't know, you know, Sue, I think you'd be the only one in here. You never forget Florence Copeland. Florence Copeland was a, a single mom. You remember, Len? Single mom. She had a daughter with Down syndrome. She had another daughter. Uh, fixed income. She was our first Sunday school teacher. She was here. I remember the early days. She was one of the original people who founded the church. Uh, She's on a fixed income. I think she was, she was living on $600 a month. And um, they were coming after her because she had some physical illness and they were coming after her for her bills. And I'd sit with her and say, Florence, I can't do anything to you. Pay them what you can. She'd always try to pay a little bit. And we'd do a food drive. There's Florence. She'd tithe. And there she'd be here putting food in the food drive. She was just, a, and just an un, 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 she's, un, she's unforgettable. Sometimes I'm doing a funeral or uh, I'm shopping in a store and somebody comes out to me and says, Pastor Frank! And, you know, I won't play the game, you know? And they're like, Pastor Frank, do you remember me? You know, they see the look on my face and I don't. I don't remember them. I, 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 you know, they, I, I don't remember when they came here. I don't think they ever did anything. You know, they just, I don't came for a while and they left. And I know that sounds mean. I have a really good memory. I think you, you, you see that, you know, in my teaching. I have a really good memory. But there are people that, you know, again, they're, they're unforgettable. And then there are people who make an impression on your life. They, they, they touch your life deeply. They make a difference in the kingdom of God. And they, like Florence Copeland, are unforgettable. And, you know, I sat there and I started thinking of the earliest days in living word. And so many people, there, there, there were many people who were truly unforgettable. But there are a whole lot of people that are, are I, just, I just forgot about. And it's the, the people who really, again, left their mark. They're the ones you remember. And uh, Joshua 
and Caleb were unforgettables. The other ten, right, were, you know, were forgettable. So it's, 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 it's sad. It's sad. Because these twelve were the cream of the crop. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, you know what, go to the tribe of Reuben, and you know that guy who, who, who like sits out in the sun every day and never does anything? Select him to be one of the, tri- you know, the leaders and you know, one of the, the people who are going to go and spy things out. That's not what it was. The, these 12 were, like, these were 12 with potential. They were, they were the best of the best. And they're, they're chosen. They're, they're, they're standouts. They're all-stars. I'll show, you, I'll show you something. Again, people of production. Um, people of, say, people of potential. Potential doesn't equal production. I've seen a lot of people come into Living Word who have great potential. I mean, I, I think you, 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 people coming out of Living Word. Some of them, the potential to to plant churches and you know and build churches. So there, there are people with that you see with great potential, but potential does not equal production, what, what it breaches the gap, and I want you to see this, potential plus performance equals production. And when I'm talking about performance, I'm not talking about performing in, a, you know, in Broadway. The, the idea of performing is, is doing what God has called you to do, being who God has called you to be. It's, it's about you know, doing the work that God has called you to do. And, and this, this is, is true. I'll tell you, this is true. When you see a person who has the potential and they're putting you know, that potential to use with performance, they produce, they become extremely productive in the kingdom of God. Their, their consistency, their, you know, their commitment, their, their statuitousness. By the way, you can use that as a, as a word that I just invented. But there, you, know, you, you, you see that. And you, you can see this, you can see this, it's true in Christianity. It's true in the business world. It, it, it's true in sports. It's true in everything. That a person could have, I mean, how many times do you see athletes with magnificent potential? There's no consistency. They're a head case, right? They're, they're just, they're, they, they lack commitment. They're causing problems on the team. And they, they, they can go through an entire career and never become productive. But I think, again, that's, that's true of the kingdom. I want to I just add, add one more thing here. When, and at times you're in situations where you are going to be with people who, again, they are not performing. And the, 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 the ten, they are, they, are not, they are not, I'll tell you, they are not men of faith. And I think there's, there's a point in situations like that where you need to pull yourself away. You pull yourself away from the mediocre, pull yourself away from the average, pull yourself away from the status quo. You, know, you, you, you embrace the challenges. These are people, they, they basically are running away from the challenges. They, you, you embrace the change. Have you noticed that, that this world is changing very rapidly? You need to embrace the change. And, and if they can't embrace the change, I think there's, there's a point you need to move away from them. You know, you, you embrace the discomfort. They, they cannot embrace the discomfort. And if you don't, you'll become like them. Iron sharpens iron. Mold. 
creates mold. You can quote that too. That's a Bolelaism. So, again, ten cowards, two heroes. All right, number three, faith's vision. Now, Proverbs tells us 29, 18, where there is no vision, people perish. I have a Bolelaism. I'm giving you a lot of Bolelaisms tonight. You can fill up the book of Bolelaisms. Where there is vision, the people flourish. Show me, show me a church without vision, I'll tell you a church that's dying. Show me a church with vision, I'll show you a church that's growing. Show me, you know, you, you can see it in a marriage, you can see it in a family, you can see it in a business, you can see it in a nation, you can see it in a community, in a city. Where there's vision, people flourish. So, in verses 17 through 20, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not, be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land now the time was the season for the first ripe grapes. Before you can seize it, you must see it. Whatever God has for you, you need, you need to see it before you can seize it. You need to be able to truly see the opportunity and grasp onto it. I say this, the world belongs to visionaries. The kingdom of God belongs to visionaries. And when I came into this building, and I was the first one here, and I say this, Lenny, you know, Lem was here, Sue was here, some others that are, that are still from those days, Gloria. Do you remember what this place looked like? So we're renting upstairs. We have that area that the kids have Sunday school in. So we have this, this room that seats maybe, I don't know, 75 people and a couple of little rooms in the back that we could do Sunday school with. And um, that's church. That was the church. And um, I'm, looking, I'm looking out the window every Sunday, and I'm looking at this roof here, and it's the cathedral roof. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to think, wait, I wonder what it looks like inside, because it, it looks like a church from the outside. And then I got in here one day, and this was a machine shop. There was no wood on the walls. Every, it was just the, the ceiling was wide open. See these beams, though? These beams caught my eye. A cathedral ceiling. Kind of looks like a church. There was, there was grease all over the floor. Big, huge machines that were hanging from these beams. I, I, I have to say this, and I, I, think, I think Lenny, you know, Len grasped onto this. I think Tommy Centrella grasped onto it. Chris Marr grasped onto it. Gloria grasped onto it. So, but I saw what I see now. But again, that's vision. And um, again, where, where there's vision, uh, we flourish. It would have been easy to see. And there were some people who came in, and they basically gave us all the objections why this couldn't be done. That the, the, Those two beams there, that was a wall that had to be knocked down. And there had to be, and thank, thank goodness Lenny, the engineer, was, was with us because he showed us that we could put a big steel beam across... And it was one point where the building was, right at the front was expanding. 
And the fear that actually the whole building could fall down. And Lenny came up with this great idea. And we basically put a vice on the building and squeezed it all together. <laughs> but it, 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 it takes vision. to see Because it would be so easy to see the problems. So easy to see the obstacles. So easy to see all the things that, that, that couldn't be. But visionaries, they see the potential. And I believe when you're in tune with God, God gives you eyes to see. Caleb and Joshua had eyes to see, the other ten did not. In your life, what you're going to find, there are going to be times where you're going to come to closed doors. And we, we have a tendency when we come to a closed door, we, we stand in front of it staring at the closed door. Take a step back and open your eyes because where there usually is a door that's closed, there's usually a door that God has opened. So there, there were some things here that were closed, but there were some things that were wide open that God was inviting them to come into. Okay, number four, faith's fruit. So in verse 21 through 25, it says, So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, uh, Sheshai, uh, Talmai, the descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol and there cut down a branch with clusters of grapes and they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So, have you had grapes this week? There's a lot of good grapes. Red grapes, green grapes, purple grapes. Some of the grapes are really delicious. I love grapes. I love fruit. I eat fruit. I eat lots of fruit. I'm a little fruity. Your pastor is fruity. And I love fruit. I love vegetables too. But, um, you know, when you, when you have a cluster of grapes, just, I mean, you can hold it in one hand, right? Right, there's a, there's a cluster. That's a big cluster of grapes. Those are some nice Concord grapes. Have a little bitterness to them, but they're delicious. So, you know, you can hold it. I, I, I ate grapes today. I had a cluster of grapes and I'm picking it off. Do you understand how big the cluster of grape was? That they had to carry it? with a pole, with two men. This was a land that was flowing with milk and honey. I won't get into some of the theories on why these grapes were so big, but I think those, those grapes were more like grapefruits than little tiny grapes. And um, again, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. They came back, they experienced that. Wow. That's the promised land that God offers us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, number five, fear's obstacles. So in verse 26 through 29, now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back the word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now watch. They focus on three obstacles here. The first, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. 
They're strong. I mean, they, they, they're buffed. They got muscles. They got veins in their arms. Right? They got necks that look like legs. They're, 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 they're buffed. And then the cities are fortified and very large. Right? Jericho, right? Great walls. Great walls that a chariot could ride on it. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Anakites. They're big people. Okay, how big? They're called Nephilim, or the descendants of Nephilim. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. There are your obstacles. Want to enter the promised land? You've got to overcome the, pro- the, the obstacles. You want to go deeper and deeper in your life with Jesus? Want to enter into a deeper peace, that peace that transcends all understanding? Want to enter into that joy, right? That joy in Jesus that could really make your life bulletproof and undisturbable. Want to enter into that life, but you've got to overcome the obstacles. I don't know what obstacles you have in your life. I know the obstacles I'm dealing with in my life. To, to achieve success in anything in life, you must overcome the obstacles. That is, again, a, a, a simple truth. With whatever you're doing, you have to overcome the obstacles. Obstacles. You have to solve the problems. Life is filled with obstacles. Do you find this? Every day, I am confronted with obstacles. They ne- they, they, it, it, it never gets easy. There's, there are always obstacles in the church, obstacles in our relationships, financial obstacles, obst- obstacles in our, in our careers. They come every day. If you're going to win, if you're going to succeed, you have to overcome them. You have to learn to jump over them, to go under them, to go around them, or to go through them. But if, if you're going to, again, to enter in to the promises of the Lord, you have to overcome obstacles. And what you're seeing now, the ten, they're like stirring and focusing. They're focused not on God. They're not focused on overcoming. They're focused on the obstacles. The people are really big. The, the cities are fortified. There are some big people there. So in the midst of this, you have faith's confidence, and that's in verse 30. And notice again, and Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. We are able. You've got to underline that in your Bible. For we are well able. That's faith's confidence. What's a New Testament verse that reminds you of that? Yeah, Philippians 4, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want you to, to notice this. All things. Can I do all things through Christ who strengthens me? If I flap my arms really hard, can I get off the ground I've come, to, I've come to a realization at 64 years old of my life. I train, you know, I train every day. I box. I do jiu-jitsu. I, I've come now to the conclusion that at this time in my life, I'm not going to be the heavyweight champion of the world. Maybe the welterweight champion of the world. 
but I don't think I should have a shot at the heavyweight championship. I've, I've come to the conclusion at this time of my life, I'm never going to be able to bench press 1,000 pounds. Do you know what the world record is for bench pressing right now? 1,480 pounds. When I was training and competing years ago, it was 600 pounds. It's 1,480 pounds. The, guy, the guy's going for 1,500 pounds right now. That's going to be the new, the new world record soon. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I think if the Lord gives me all this strength, I don't think it's going to happen. So I just want you to, to, to understand, I think that when it says all things, it's the things God has called you to personally. It's the things that he's called you to. So the things that God has placed before you, I can do all things through Christ, through strength. I mean, if you look at the context of Philippians chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. You know, don't worry about things, but pray in the peace of God that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. Whatever's positive, whatever's true, whatever's noble, think about such things. Be content. I think that's really the context. But it's what God has called us to. And uh, that he will give us the power. And, and he, he would have given Israel all the power they need to conquer the promised land. But they rejected it. All right, last, last point, number seven. Fear's imagination. 31 through 33 of Numbers 13. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. Isn't it? There is, there's Caleb saying, we are able. We are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch, came from the giants, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so... We were in their sight. I just want you to look, and I'd come back to this. They weren't that big. Don't you think this is kind of a gross exaggeration? And it's their imagination running wild. And by the way, that's what fear does. When people, when people are in fear, their minds, they, you know, they're just their imaginations go on steroids and, you know, again, they, they, they are conjuring up things that, that are just untrue and will never happen. You ever hear that, you know, they, they turn, right, they turn a molehill into a mountain and that's, you know, and, and that's what happens. They, they just, they make it much bigger and they catastrophize it and basically, again, it, it's, it's, it's completely and totally destructive. So they are just, they're just obsessing. And that's, again, fear, abnormal fear is taking a magnifying glass and just focusing. Hey, do you, do you have a, anybody, you have a white piece of paper? Who has a white piece of paper? Anybody? Does anybody even carry paper anymore? If you, have, if you just have a white piece of paper, I want you to do something. I want you to take the white piece of paper and put a little dot, put a little dot at the center. Just a little dot. And all you people with your technology, your iPhones, and your iPads, and your i i don't know what, you're going to miss out on this. You're going to miss out on this big example. So you go home and do it. Joanne, go home and do it. So, right, you have that. You see that little dot? That's the problem. That's the problem. Now, I want you to take the piece of paper, 
close one eye, and just slowly move that dot closer and closer and closer until you've got it right up against your eye. Have you noticed that it's gotten bigger? Right? It's gotten bigger. It's enlarged. I've been doing, I've been doing pastoral counseling for 40 years. So I want to tell you something. I see people come in, and they've got a problem. They've got a challenge. There's an obstacle. But they are so focused and obsessed on it that their brain, they can't think clearly, right? They're, they're just totally in a fog. And all they can think about is that problem that is totally solvable, but because they are just obsessed on it, and again, they're just magnifying it, it's, it's just taken away, their, it's taken away their joy. It's taken away their life. So I want to I wrap up this first part next week, and, and, and I'll tell you this, just take a look at chapter 14, because what you see is fear is contagious, and you're going to see it spread through the entire, the, the entire nation of Israel. And they all end up dying in the desert except for two. I think a lot of people in the church were not entering in to the, I think, the, the greatness and the promise of God because of things like this. Okay, just faith and fear. I want to give you a couple, a couple of, of simple tips, and I want, to, I want to take you through this. I think this is important. I'm going to rob you of a little bit of prayer tonight. Isaiah chapter 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How do you overcome fear? You overcome fear through the strength of God. You have to allow God to impart and infuse you with his strength. The more you allow God to infuse you with your strength, you're going to find that you're going to be in a place where you're not going to be living in fear. So how, how do we allow God to infuse us right, with faith? The word of God, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Well, how else do we allow God to infuse us with faith? Don't you find when you worship God, we're worshiping God here, doesn't your faith enlarge? God inhabits the praise of his people. I just get, in, you get into a time of worship and you immediately are going to find that God is going to enlarge your faith. Another, another one, prayer. Fellowship. You get around people of faith, and you get around people of real faith, you're going to find that they're going to enlarge your faith. Just, just, you know, again, iron sharpening iron when you're with, peop when you're with people like that. So you, when, again, God will infuse you with faith and he will strengthen you when you're putting yourself in a place for him to be able to do that. Here's the second. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and control. The word there, notice, it's a spirit and... We, we look at this, and as commentators and uh, scholars, we don't look at this as the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit would be called the Spirit. You'd have the definite article, the, the word the in front of it. Or he's called the Holy Spirit or the Advocate. And here it's just he gave us a spirit. And I think that what that's talking about, a spirit of, of, of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. I think it's, it's talking about it's, it's, the inner, it's the inner attitude. It's your inner disposition. And God has given us the Spirit. But what happens is we need to cultivate the Spirit. How do we cultivate our inner spirits so that we have greater faith? Become more identified in who you are in Christ. Remember I was talking about that on Sunday. Become more identified with who you are in Jesus. 
The more, the more you, you become solidified in your identity in Jesus, I think what you're going to find is the stronger your inner spirit is going to become. That's a, you know, a, a key thing. Just I, I find you know, a lot of Christians, they don't know who they are. So they therefore act like their identity in the world instead of acting like who they are in Christ. So that's a, that, I think that's key. Here's, an, here's another one. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Notice light. The more we live in the light, the more faith we're going to have and the less fear we're going to have. The more you live in the dark, the more fear you're going to have. So we need to, we need to walk in the light. And that is, that is walking in the truth. Uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The more you cultivate and develop the presence of God in your life, you practice the presence of God in your life, the greater faith you're going to have. So God wants us, again, God wants us walking in faith, not in fear. Fear is incredibly destructive. Be careful what you're allowing into your life. Be careful what you're allowing into your minds. Be careful what you're exposing yourself to. I see, I do see to a point, people look, like, again, I believe we're coming, we're coming to the coming of the Lord. We're getting closer every day. So when you're looking, you're looking at what's going on in Washington, and you're looking at what's going on in China, and you're looking at what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine. You become obsessed in these things. I guarantee that's going to create more fear. Know what's going on. But look at things through the eyes of the Lord and through his word. And that's going to enlarge your faith. People who are totally fixated on fear, I really believe they, they, become, they become useless to God. People who are living by faith, they become extre extremely useful to God. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we just pray, Lord God, tonight. Lord, again, you have called us and given us a spirit Lord God, not of fear, but of faith. A spirit of courage, Lord, a spirit of boldness, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-control. Pray, Lord God, this night, grow, develop, cultivate that spirit within us. Lord God, let us be truly a people of faith. A people, Lord God, who enter into the promised land, who, Lord, take what you've given us, who conquer, Lord God, what you have set before us, and, Lord God, who defend it with the greatest amount of courage. Pray, Lord God, a blessing, Lord God, upon all here tonight. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. And um, you know what I want to do with the worship team? You're only prepared for one song. Can we do a few more? We'll do a couple of songs tonight. Just make uh, our, our, our worship our prayer. But as you worship the Lord, focus on him. You know what? You, could, you can stand there and do this. And you could be thinking about what you have, your appointments tomorrow. You could be looking so spiritual doing this, and again, your mind could be on something else. Focus, just fix your eyes on Jesus as, as we worship here. Really come into worship with him and exalt him. And let him just lift you up. You're going to find that he's going to, he's going to enlarge your faith. Okay? Even if you want, you can even come, you can come to the altar. You can stand. Sometimes we'd come up and just stand at the altar and worship up here. You can, uh, you can do that. Don't be afraid. You're free to move as you desire to move in this church. You want to sit, you can sit. You want to stand, you can stand. You can kneel if you want to kneel. And if you want to dance, just, you know, keep it. You can't go all over the place and dance, but you can dance. You don't want to distract others.
my 11-month-old grandson was dancing during worship tonight. His feet were moving up here, too. I was watching that. It was pretty funny. Thank you, Lord, for the word.
you in love.